This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 213, recorded Monday, March the 30th, 2015. 13 again, eh? We do that every 100 episodes or so. We get a, you know, episode 13, episode 113, 213. What's next? Probably 313 in about 100 episodes from now. That'd be crazy. And at the rate we go, it'll be sometime in season six. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. We'll talk about what we're going to do over the off season a little bit later. Um, but right now, I want to dispense with most of the pleasantries, most of the preamble, and get right into things because we've got a big episode here to recap today. All right. Well, let's do it. So the first thing we're going to do that we're not going to dispense with is play an entry in our <laughs> contest. Just teasing me. <laughs> You're going to dispense with all the pleasantries and all the preamble. Except for this one thing. I don't think, I don't consider our contest entry preamble or, or a pleasantry. <laughs> okay. I think that, the, I, that's good to know. I, I consider it a necessity. Well, it is. It's, it's pretty awesome. It's usually, you know, specifically awesome. Yeah. I think you're going to like this one, Jason. So okay. this comes from Guy in Weston Supermare, UK. Little girl. I'm a police officer. Little girl, don't be afraid. Little girl. Boom! <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you, Guy, for that. Uh, I, hope that I hope that gunshot at the end there, Jason, didn't just blow your ears off. It, it, well, no, I'm still able to hear. <laughs> Good. Um, I listened to that the other day when Guy sent it in, and not knowing what to expect and having my volume at a regular level. And that uh, boom at the end scared the crap out of me. It <laughs> scared the crap out of me. I jumped out of the chair and nearly had a heart attack. So thank you, Guy, for that. That was excellent. And thank you for that entry. It was really, really good. Just to remind everyone, our contest is open until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on this Wednesday, April the 1st. So if you want to get an entry in, you should be recording it right now, or at least in the next 48 hours, because uh, after that time on Wednesday, we won't accept any more entries. So uh, because we need a few days to, to re-listen to them all, talk about it, go through the rigorous task of choosing our favorite, and then we'll announce our winner on next Monday's podcast a week from tonight. Yeah, we, uh, we listen to every single one, and we, uh, we evaluate them on 97 different dimensions. So it's a, it's a very rigorous process. It takes hours to and hours and hours to do each, each individual one. So, uh, yeah, send them in because so, we got to listen back. We've booked, you know, the entire week off from our day jobs, and yep. and we're just gonna, you know, we may even have to quit our jobs to to do this. So, uh, yeah. but we'll get her done. We, uh, yeah, we rented a uh, we rented a hall so that we could go and uh, completely sequester ourselves uh, in this in this room for uh, for a very long time. Yep, that's right. And we'll have a winner when we're when we're all done, said and done with it. We'll come out uh, bleeding because we'll have gotten into a fight, most likely. Uh, but we will have a winner. 
That's right. Most importantly, we will have the winner next Monday on the show. Get your entries in by 11.59 p.m. on Wednesday, April the 1st. All right. Now that the pleasantries are done. <laughs> no, that wasn't a pleasantry. I said it was a necessity. <laughs> now that the necessities are done, Jason, let's move on into our review and our recap of this week's season five finale. Cool. Conquer. So the episode is called Conquer, mm. <laughs> as you may have heard. Thank you, Amar in Bedford, UK, and Andy, another listener from Weston Supermare in the UK. We have at That's least awesome. two. We have at least two from that uh, place. That's excellent. It is. Um, uh, thanks to you guys for sending those in. I guess next, I guess those are the last two title reads we'll have for season five, of course. And that's true. When we get back to it in season six, we will uh, we'll hopefully receive some more because it's fun to hear everyone read the titles. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get started. So we open up this episode. It's the cold open. We have a car crashed against a tree. And the camera holds on that shot for a second. We cut inside the car. And who's in it, Jason? It is Morgan. I yelled hooray when I first saw that. Me too. I, I was, was so happy. I had just finished talking to my wife, well, you know, five minutes before the episode started. We sat down on the couch and I said, boy, I hope Morgan's in this episode. I'm really going to be disappointed if they've teased us this season about Morgan and then he's not here or he's here just a tiny bit at the end. Right. And then the episode basically opens with Morgan, and I said to her, wow, that didn't take long at all. <laughs> yeah, it was excellent. And the best part was he was waking up from a nap, and I love naps, so uh, that was very exciting to see. You really identified with him in that moment, oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So he wakes up in the backseat of that car. He looks around. He sees a rabbit's foot hanging from the mirror. That makes him smile. Yeah, it's a happy thing. It is. It's a lucky thing. Um we cut to him sitting around a fire in the forest. He's making himself some soup. And as he's sitting there, a guy just sort of casually walks up, points a gun at him, and sits down. Yeah. Very friendly, like, gun pointing. It is. Do you think Morgan knew this guy was approaching and decided to let him approach? Yes. He didn't, he didn't manage to sneak up on him at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, first of all, he was walking uh, up to him from within his field of vision, so... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really don't think that uh, you can sneak up on Morgan. No, I, I wouldn't think so. Even, well, in a minute, we find that you can't even sneak up behind Morgan. So yeah, um, this guy walks up, he sits down, they start talking, and this guy has a W on his forehead. He does. So these Ws appear to be carved into people while they're still alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, Morgan asks about the W, and he explains how the first settlers, I guess, of... North America put bounties on wolves and then the native people hunted them. Right. And uh, so these people sort of identify with the wolves, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and uh, he says that uh, W guy, I'm calling him, says that he meets people every two weeks and he says that they run through people's camps and they have traps. And uh, he says that it's, he likes meeting someone as an equal for once. Mm -hmm. Which is when nice. you're pointing a gun at him, and you're perfectly safe because you've got the drop on the guy, <laughs> right? But you're an equal. 
<laughs> right. You know, that's, but I guess that's the way they see these things, right? Most of the time they're just raiders or whatever, and they, they go through people's camps and steal their stuff and kill them. But in this case, he walks up and they have a nice conversation. So he feels like they're friends already. Yeah. Um, so Morgan goes to take a drink and of his soup and the guy says, nope, put that down. I'm taking everything you have. So not the best friend in the world. That's my soup now. Yeah, pretty much. And he, he even says, I'm taking you too, and you're not really going to be alive. <laughs> so right. this, this guy is not actually that nice. And Morgan tells him that you can have everything I have, all my supplies, but I cannot let you take me. Because right. Morgan has a mission, I think, that we're going to find out about as this episode unfolds. Now, a second guy that I mentioned a second ago, he tries to jump Morgan from behind but Morgan is on the ball, and he's able to duck out of the way of the attack. And uh, he sort of tells them to just, you know, just let him go, leave me alone. But they attack anyways, and he manages to defeat them with some sort of staff weapon. It may be a broom handle or a table leg or something like that. I think it's a walking stick. Like, you know, you walk in, you go into those uh, uh, you know, camping stores, and they have the bins full of, like, long walking sticks that you could buy. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Okay, so it's just, yeah, well, that yeah, I guess a wooden stick that's nice and solid and isn't going to break as soon as you crack someone over the head with it. A quarter staff, if you will. A quarter staff. Yeah. There you go. That Morgan, he's got some excellent quarter staff skills. He does. <laughs> um, so he takes them both out. A zombie is attracted to the commotion, I guess. Morgan picks up the guy's gun, who, you know, that's now lying on the ground, Goes to shoot the walker, but the gun is empty. So there was never any ammunition in that gun to begin with. Nope. Um, and Morgan, you know, takes takes the zombie out with his quarterstaff instead, which is also awesome. So he then uh, takes their unconscious bodies. He puts them in that crashed car, leaves them in there. He honks the horn and then grabs the rabbit foot, rabbit's foot and takes off. You know, there was a rabbit, uh, we have rabbits around here, around my house. Did you yeah. know that? Yeah, I do too, actually. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, there was, uh, just the other day, there was a rabbit uh, lying dead in the road across the street, and uh, the crows were taking turns picking at his flesh. I was just thinking I should uh, I should have gone and got myself a foot. Go and cut a foot off that dead rabbit? Cut a foot off, hanging it from the uh, the car windshield, or the, the, uh, the rear view window, rear view mirror, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, let it dry out, and, uh, yeah. I should have done that, but, you know, the city came and picked it up. Right, and I don't know if I'd like to go and cut a foot off of roadkill in front of my house. Yeah, that's probably bad, but whatever. (laughs) So we roll the opening credits, and when we come back, we get a quick scene of Daryl and Aaron driving down the road. They pull over, get get off and out of their vehicles, and walk into the forest. So they're still out on their mission tracking somebody or other. And now we go over to Rick, who wakes up with bandages on his face. Uh, I guess he's waking up after recovering from his big fight with Pete there. He kind of giggles, and Michonne asks him, what is so funny? Like, you just got your ass kicked and um, kind of made a crazy man of yourself. What are you laughing about? He's probably still crazy a little bit. He's still crazy a little bit, that's right. And But he says it's like the train car. After, you know, after all that, he wakes up and he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is an interesting analogy because he was really a prisoner in the train car, whereas in Alexandria, he's like the opposite of a prisoner. He has complete freedom to do whatever he wants. Yep. 
Um, Michonne and uh, we find out that, well, Michonne says that Rosita, Rosita patched him up and that Pete has been moved to another house. So right. that situation has kind of been resolved, at least for now. Well, that was Rick's plan all along, right? That's what uh, he wanted. It is what he wanted, yeah. So he got what he wanted. He just has to get some, uh, what looks like, scotch tape all over his face. He does. He he reminded me of, uh, what is it, Marv from Sin City? He had those... You know, I was thinking that too, that it was very Sin City-esque. Yeah, those bandages all over his face that glowed in the black and white. Yeah. Um, Michonne then wonders why Rick didn't tell her about the gun-stealing plan. And uh, they talk about how they had to sort of stop being out there and why being in Alexandria is a good place. Then Glenn, Carol, and Abe walk in, and Carol does something funny here. She questions Rick about stealing the gun as if she had nothing to do with it. Yeah, she's prompting him. She's feeding him a story by asking questions, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty smart. It was, and she tells them that there's a meeting planned uh, to talk about what to do now and sort of what to do with Rick, and... Yeah, she Carol relates the story to him that that she wants him to tell, and uh, she says that these people are like children, and children like stories. They do like stories. Yeah, I know firsthand that they do. Um, and then Rick goes on to lay out a plan to take over the place if the meeting doesn't go well. So really, for Rick and everybody, nothing much has changed. Yeah, you know he he got he got beat up, and. He's not really locked up, I guess, but he's under watch. But he's still saying, you know, these people don't understand. We are going to take over this place if it's the last thing we do. I'll give a little whistle. You take out that person. I'll take out this person. And uh, then we'll have breakfast in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And everything will be fine after that. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, Glenn is there and he asks Rick, you know, did you want this? Did you, does, is this your plan here to sort of cause enough civil unrest that, it, you know, that the end result is that we have to take over the place. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, Rick says no, um, but he says he hit his limit and screwed up. So now here we are. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting how Rick clearly thinks that these people aren't capable of, of taking care of themselves and wants to take over the place. But he, he's continuing to say that, no, you know, I didn't really want it to come to this even though I sort of feel like he does, because everything he does seems to be moving towards this outcome. Well, yes, I think overall, but I think uh, the plan, uh, it wasn't part of the plan to get into a fight with uh, with the surgeon guy, Pete, that's yeah. his name. Uh, I think he did come unhinged a little bit there. We, you know, he went to the end of his rope, and then uh, that was it for a little while. So he kind of just went into a, a berserk mode for a little bit. I don't think that was part of the plan. No, that's right. And and I guess you couldn't really, I guess he couldn't really foresee this domestic situation that he was trying to deal with, right? I mean, yeah. if it was just that, then he would have been able to deal with that. Or if it was just the fact that these people in Alexandria are unprepared, you know, maybe he would have kept a level head a little bit more and, 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 Convince them to, to convince them that they're not prepared for what's out there. Yeah. Instead, both of these things happened all at once, and he ended up getting overly emotional and a little nuts and losing it. Right. Uh, but we cut over to Gabriel. We see a shot of him taking down some laundry. Maggie's watching at a window, but she goes outside to talk to Deanna about the meeting, and she says that sending Rick away won't work 
and uh, she's worried that not everybody in Alexandria has the entire story. So she wants to make sure that they they properly assess this situation and not just decide to kick him out and leave it at that because that's not going to work because I don't think Rick would be uh, very happy with that plan at this yeah, point. For sure. Um, and she tries to tell Deanna that Rick was just frustrated, that you can't blame him for his outburst. And she says that, yes, he pulled a gun, but he didn't pull the trigger, right. which has to stand for something. Yeah. <laughs> which, what, I know she's absolutely right. Is that the benchmark now? Like, sure, you can point a gun at somebody, but, uh, you know, whether or not you pull the trigger is, uh, is the important part. Well, I, I'm pretty sure if I walked out into the street in front of my house and pulled a gun out, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't be in quite as much trouble if I don't pull the trigger. I'm nope. still in a lot of trouble. Not in Canada. What do you mean? It, you point a gun at somebody, whether it's loaded or not, you pull the trigger or not, it's all the same crime. Oh, it's uh, attempted murder? What is it? it? It's something. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but it's, it is a felony to, uh, to point even an unloaded weapon at somebody. Right. Well, doesn't matter if it's loaded. Okay, so I guess in The Walking Dead, there's a there's a difference there. Not here. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I I beat you up. I stabbed you with my knife. I uh, I kicked the crap out of you. I hit you with my car. I threw you off a cliff. But I did not pull the trigger on the firearm I was pointed at you. So uh, we're good. So we are good, everybody. Don't worry about it. Uh, I don't recommend anyone out there go out and try this. Oh, good lord, no! This is a TV show. It's a TV show. Um. Now, Reg is there, too, and he's kind of trying to appease both sides. He talks to Maggie uh, as she's leaving, and he says that civilization starts when people live together, when we stop running, and he says that's what he's going to say at the meeting. Right. Right? So he doesn't really want to exile Rick. He wants to make everybody happy and keep them together and and so on. So he's being pretty level-headed in this scene, I, I guess, or he's at least able to not totally condemn Rick's actions uh, without properly thinking them through. Right. Which is good for him mm-hmm. and good for everybody. Um, now we see Sasha outside the wall. She's gathering Walker bodies and she's dumping them in a grave or a hole, I guess, of some kind. A Just pit. a pit. Yeah, Walker pit. Um, she gets in the hole and she lies down on top of this heap of bodies. Well, the way I figure it is that zombies are very soft in this world, so that probably is a very comfy place to just kind of lie down and relax. And take a nap, yeah, on a pile of corpses. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's obviously very upset and is thinking that she wants to die. And that's what this symbolizes. And and I really, I actually, I really, really love this scene. I thought it was extremely powerful. And the first thing I thought is, man, I wish this is the kind of thing we saw all along for Sasha's story. I mean, if you remember, I didn't love her part of last week's episode. Yep. And it's because it felt like it was too blatant or too obvious what they were trying to go for. Here, she lies down and closes her eyes on this stack of bodies as if to say, you know, I'm one of you, I'm dead, I have nothing to live for. And it was so, it was so emotional and and, and it evoked exactly what, they were trying to go for, I think. So yep. I just thought they did such a better job with this scene, this episode than they did in the last episode. And it comes down to like, you know, they don't have to have her talking to Michonne or talking to other characters and saying things like, you know, everything worked out fine for you, but I'm in trouble here. 
all she has to do is something like this, and they sh it explains absolutely everything about what she's feeling. So I think they did a fantastic job in this scene. Yes. And uh, it made me happy that they could do that with Sasha, and also a little sad that they just didn't do this all along. Right. <laughs> Um, anyways, we cut over to Daryl and Aaron in the woods. Aaron is talking about how there are, um, how that they're, they're only there to watch and listen to people for now because they have to really consider who they're going to bring back into Alexandria. And he tells a story to Daryl about some people he brought back in that didn't work out. And since he brought them in, he was the one who had to exile them or take them out. And, uh, he never wants to make that mistake again. Yeah. Because, you know, that wouldn't be fun. The thing I also liked about this is he kind of explained the exile process. And he said that he they drive them really far out and they leave them with a day's worth of food and water, but no guns. Right. And say, good luck. Um, See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Have fun on your way there. <laughs> um, we go to Carol and she's uh, waking up Rick. Uh, and she says... Everything's good because everybody thinks that Rick's being taken care of now, as in, you know, that whole situation has resolved itself. And uh, Rick says he doesn't want to lie anymore about guns or anything. But Carol says, you can't stop lying and take this place over. You don't get both. Right. Right? Pick one. Yeah, pick one. One or the other. We have a commercial break, and when we return, it's Daryl and Aaron again. They're watching a red poncho guy through some binoculars. Mm -hmm. Who and is uh, through an audio scope as well, which was neat. Yeah, that's the listening device that Aaron carries yeah. around with him. Um, we don't know anything about Red Poncho Guy, though, so they just see him trudging along, and they follow him. And uh, back in town, Rick comes out of the house he's recovering in. He says hi to Tobin as he walks past some people on the street, and then he passes Deanna on her porch, and they really give you, give each other the stink eye. The stink eye, yep. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, they're they're not really on good speaking terms yet. They're on stink eye terms. Yeah, I have a neighbor like that. Really? I just no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> just one guy in the neighborhood who walks by your house and just gives you the evil eye every day. Yeah. No, I get along with all my neighbors, which is nice. That's good. That's good. That's what you want. Yep. That's the dream for neighbors, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to have to burn their houses down. Oh, gosh, that's not the dream. Uh, all right, where are we? Um, Nicholas, he's kind of eyeing Glenn from around a corner. Speaking of stink eye. Jeez, oh, yeah, another stink eye, stink eye guy. <laughs> um, who knows what he's thinking, but uh, Maggie comes walking up, and she tells Glenn that Deanna wants to exile Rick. And Glenn, of course, looks concerned, but he just says he loves her. And uh, Maggie leaves, and then Glenn notices Nicholas climbing the wall. Yeah. Pulling an Enid, just climbing over the wall, not going out the gate, climb the wall. For some reason. For some reason. Uh, we get a quick scene of Gabriel at the gate. He's leaving Alexandria to go for a quick walk, is what he says. Yeah. He needs some, <laughs> I was going to say he needs some fresh air, but pretty much everywhere <laughs> yeah he just wants to go outside and wander around you know look at some zombies see yeah. what's going on take a look at what's going on out there yeah. and so rick arrives back at his house and carl's there of course he talks with carl rick refers to this place as home and yeah. uh carl calls him on that which i thought was good you know you can't be like this place is not safe and may have it be home at the same time right right and uh, they talk, 
so they talk about the meeting and Rick says that he still might, you know, these people still need them. And he says he might have to threaten or kill some of them. So be prepared for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's that whole thing. There's that whole thing. And Carl says that you just have to talk to them so they can hear you. And this was another scene I really liked from this episode because I thought Carl was being extremely mature in this scene. What he was saying, at least the way I read it, is that, you know, you have to talk to these people in a way that they can understand you, not just, you know, swing guns around and yell at them with blood all over your face. Um, You know, that kind of outbreak during a fight with a guy might not be the best approach, but if you talk to them so they can understand and so they can hear you, maybe you'll have a better outcome. Yeah. And I thought that was great coming from a kid in this episode, right? Yeah, he's he's done a a lot of growing up in the last little while. He has, exactly. You know, he's the only one who's really said that. Everyone else is trying to be underhanded or, or come up with plans or plots or whatever, and Carl's just saying, look, talk to them so they can hear you. Yep. Instead of yelling in their face, no one's going to respond to that well. Um, back with Daryl and Aaron, they have come to a food factory of some kind, which is great, except they lost Red Poncho Guy. They don't know where he is. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. And Aaron convinces Daryl to investigate this place for the food. And he says that, you know, we can take a break from looking for people because when we do find them, we're going to need food to feed them. Yeah. So we might as well investigate this. Um, they kill a bunch of walkers through the fence and then enter the, the warehouse area, I guess. Compound. Compound, sure. They approach a group of transport truck trailers and they start poking around the loading dock and it turns out to be a well-organized trap. So, okay, so when they were walking up and walking around these trailers, did you notice all the cans tied to strings that they blatantly showed you? Why wouldn't they notice the cans tried tied to strings and think, why are these cans tied to strings? Because yeah. my first thought was this is a early warning system. Uh, you know, you tie they did this themselves where you tie a bunch of cans to strings and you string it around. And if a walker walks by, it's going to make a noise and you'll know the walker's coming. So I'm thinking, okay, somebody has been here somebody has taken the time to use the cans inside these trucks because all the trucks have a picture of a can on it and uh tied them to strings so this is somebody either lives here or has lived here or this is not just an abandoned place i i completely agree with you i noticed the cans on strings too and i wondered why these two you know experts or seasoned zombie apocalypse veterans didn't notice that, especially since they've done it, or at least Daryl and the gang have done it themselves. The thing I was wondering about, though, is it seemed like they were all hung really high up, like, you know, above the heads of a normal size human being or zombie. So what were they there to warn against, though? It seemed like they would react to wind, but usually you don't have to warn against, you know, wind. (laughs) So I... I wasn't sure why they were hung that high and maybe they had a different purpose and that's why they were being ignored by our, I don't know what the purpose was, but I just know that, you know, had I been walking up to this situation, I would have seen the cans and went, "Uh, something's going on here. Exactly. That's the thing. I mean, you might not know exactly what's happening, but you know that that doesn't happen by itself. So yeah, cans don't tie themselves to strings. Not usually. I've noticed this in my everyday life. (laughs) That's right. Usually when I see a can tied to a string, I think, you know, somebody's done that. Somebody's done that, yeah. and there must be a reason. Right. 
Well, they don't seem to notice. They go up, and uh, yeah, it's a trap. So Aaron pulls an Alaska license plate off one of the trucks, which he's very happy about. And then Daryl goes to open one of the backs of the trucks, and suddenly the trap springs, and all of the trucks open, and they're full of zombies. Neat trap. Yeah, pretty good trap. Uh, Daryl and Aaron run for it. Uh, but there's suddenly tons of zombies around, not only coming out of the trucks, but also in the parking lot area or the loading dock area. And they go under one of the trailers. They come out the other side. Daryl grabs a chain and he whips it through three walkers <laughs> at once, taking off all three of their heads. That was quite the uh, quite the sight to behold, that thing. It really was. And I don't think not just anybody could do that. I mean, that was a Daryl Dixon-like hero maneuver right there. Yeah, so now he's got another another signature weapon. Yeah, but we're not going to see that. We're not going to see the chain weapon stick around, I don't think. But it was pretty awesome to watch. Um, all of the walkers here... W's on their foreheads. Yep. Still. So it seems like we get more walker or wolf walkers than anybody else, than anything else these days. Um, so they're getting overwhelmed in the parking lot by uh, by these zomb- by these zombies. And the only, you know, they fight their way out a bit, but the only escape they can make is by getting into a car and closing the doors. But it's quickly surrounded by a lot of zombies and they're trapped. We go to a commercial break and we come back. They're still stuck in the car, of course. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, commercials don't solve any problems. No, no, on no, the TV no. shows. That's uh, that's one thing I've noticed. Yeah, that's right. You know, They're... hiatus. A hiatus will solve problems. Like you see how far they went during the hiatus. They went all the way from uh, Atlanta to near Washington during the hiatus. So a hiatus will solve problems. Uh huh. But uh, a commercial break will not. No, it's just not long enough. Yeah. Um, they're in the car and they're talking about uh. Um, how it'll hold for a while. And Daryl wants to like cut up the seats and block out the windows so the zombies can't see them, which I think is a great idea. That's not bad. You know, Be quiet for a little while, they'll wander off. They might just, that's right, they might get bored and wander away. Um, but Aaron finds a piece of paper stuck in the car that says, trap, bad people coming, don't stay. Right. So if only, if only they'd searched that car before they immediately went for the big transport trucks full of food, Yep. or apparently full of food, they would have known. Um, we cut over, though, back to Alexandria, and Pete, he's sitting in the dark, I guess, in his new house, <laughs> all by himself. Yeah. And there's knocking on the door. Carol brings it. Carol comes in, carrying some food for him. Pete, of course, is not very friendly, and she threatens him with a knife. Yeah. And she calls him a small, weak, nothing of a man, and she tries to convince him that he has a chance to save himself if he plays his cards right. And uh, then she gives him the food and leaves, which he just drops on the floor and starts knocking shit over. Yeah, she's the uh, she's the casserole fairy. That's right. She shows up with food and with casseroles to everybody uh, everybody's house. <laughs> if you got problems, Carol will make you a casserole and then threaten you and your or your loved ones. That's right. That's uh, that's what seems to be what she does now. What did you think about this scene? I wasn't so sure that this was the best, smartest thing for Carol to do. And I don't want to imply anything here, but she is way smaller than him. And if Pete had really wanted to lash out, I'm pretty sure that he would have been able to hurt Carol pretty bad or possibly kill her. Even though she had that knife, 
you know, she didn't have it at the ready right at the, right as she walked in the door. And if Pete was in an especially bad mood, I think Carol put herself in danger here by just walking into his house. Well, Pete's had his, uh, you know, his self-confidence kind of beat down over the last 24 hours. He's really mentally and physically taken uh, quite some abuse from uh, from this community. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure he's, you know, he was in a ragey kind of mood. I think he was in more of a uh, feeling sorry for himself kind of mood. And, you know, if he's uh, if he's the guy that I think he is, he's probably been drinking too. Right. Mm, yeah, maybe you know, that's true. Find some alcohol in the house and uh, get your, get yourself a little buzz on. You know, hang out in the dark, and then all of a sudden, this lady shows up with a casserole. All he wants to do is uh, keep quiet, look at the floor, and maybe the casserole lady will leave. But then the casserole lady pulls a knife, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's uh, that's a knife!" And she's going to use it because it's Carol, and we all know Carol. He doesn't know Carol, but I think he knows her well enough that. Uh, if he took one step in her direction, she would have gut him like a fish. Yeah, I, I, I can see your point. That's true. I'm just not convinced that Carol showing up there all by herself is is a risk she needed to take. Whether she calculated that risk or not and decided, like you've just said, that you know maybe it's not all that dangerous because he'll be in a certain state of mind and I can handle it, uh, that, could, that could be the case. I was just thinking, you know, I don't know if showing up there all by herself— um, even with the weapon was the safest thing for her to do. Well, Carol's got the confidence though. She knows she can take mm-hmm. care of herself now and she has the confidence. So maybe it was a little overconfidence, but, uh, I think it made sense to me. Okay. Luckily for Carol, it did all work out in the end. Um, Pete was certainly in kind of a rage when she left, maybe not when she got there, but he threw the food down and then went and you heard him like wrecking stuff in the other room. Right. I think he peed himself a little bit though. <laughs> and yelling, this is not my house. <laughs> like, right. like that has anything to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so we go over to Glenn. He's following Nick in the forest now. And uh, Glenn comes up and, you know, he hears a crack and Nicholas shoots Glenn in the shoulder. Yeah. He hears a stick break and Glenn gets grazed in the shoulder. Now, it wasn't a bad gunshot wound i think it was just a grazing but still there's glenn no got, good gunshot wounds that's true there's no such thing as a good one so glenn got shot but he manages to get away because he's not there lying on the ground when nicholas comes to his location right so i'm a little concerned for glenn at this point he's out well he's shot he's shot he's in the forest with a guy that clearly doesn't like him they don't get along <laughs> well when you shoot somebody or when you get shot by someone you can just go ahead and assume that they don't like you Usually. Usually. I mean, there are exceptions to this rule, some very notable ones, but usually when someone shoots you, they're at the very least mad at you. Not your favorite person, yeah. Yeah, okay. So I was a little worried about Glenn here. I wasn't sure what was going to happen, um, but we don't see anything more of that right away. We go over to Rick, and he's gone to see Jesse, yeah. and he says he just wants to check on her. Uh, she's friendly, ish but she says that they should probably stay apart for a while this was a really neat scene the way they uh, they set up this shot was really neat because it was rick uh, it was re- his reflection in a window mm-hmm. and she's standing in the window that rick and pete went through so she's standing in a broken window yeah right so it's uh, you know he's kind of in the background uh, in the reflection, she's in the middle of this devastation to her home. And in the background behind her is a drawing by her son. 
So it's kind of just evocative of her broken family and him not being a part of that scene. It just, I thought it was set up really nicely. Well, Greg Nicotero directed this one, and I think he's getting better and better as a director every episode he does. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point, though. You're right. Rick is just shown in reflection yeah. uh, for most of this scene, which is which is really cool. Um, but Jesse admits to Rick that he was right, and uh, as Rick's leaving... We can see that Pete sees them from the window of his new house. Yeah, that he just finished destroying. <laughs> yeah, now he wish he had that casserole because he's probably, you know, mad hungry with rage. He probably is, and he probably has nowhere to sit and eat because he destroyed the table and chairs. <laughs> That's because it's not his house. Yeah. After a commercial break, we're back with Daryl and Aaron in um, in the car. Still, they're stuck in there. And Daryl remarks how he came out here because he felt all closed up inside Alexandria. Uh, and even it's all now, ironical and stuff. All ironical. Yeah. <laughs> yes, everyone, we know ironical is not a word. It uh, is too. It you is. use a word long enough, and if it's you can quote a number of sources, uh, it becomes a word. Fair enough. But are you the only source of ironical so far? I am definitely not the only source of ironical. Oh. It's been uh, it's been widely cited, and that I bet you it gets into the dictionary. Gets into the dictionary. Did you know that uh, literally, meaning figuratively, is in the dictionary now? But literally doesn't mean figuratively. It does now. That's I refuse. Go to... look it up. No, Go I... look it up. It languages change all the time. Literally meaning figuratively is in the dictionary. I refuse to accept that as a valid word meaning. You are not the authority, unfortunately. Well, Miriam I... Webster is the authority, and they accept literally meaning figuratively as a word. I understand that languages change all the time, but that is unacceptable. They have lost credibility, in my opinion. <laughs> Miriam Webster. If you have enough, you know, independent sources of, uh, you know, uh, of a word being used, it makes it into the dictionary. Well, I'm fine with them adding words like selfie or blog, you know, words that are, uh, have become part of the vernacular in pop culture, but why change the meaning of a word that has a perfectly cromulent meaning to begin with? I'm sorry. Dang right. See? You late. Yeah. Um, so that, they're in a car. That makes There's me a bunch angry. of zombies outside. Yeah, I, I don't know. Even, I just want to, I, I don't even want to finish this. That makes me so angry. <laughs> well, go, yeah, go, go to Merriam-Webster <laughs> online and uh, check it out. Except. All right. Why were we talking about the word literally? Because I said uh, ironical oh, that yeah. uh, Daryl felt closed up inside uh, Alexandria, so he got out. All right. Uh, he says that, yeah, he says that he felt closed up, and even now, stuck in that car surrounded by walkers, this feels more like him. Right. So have, have fun out there, Daryl. Um, Aaron explains that he invited Daryl and Rick and the group into Alexandria because he watched Daryl lead them all to safety uh, in that barn when that big storm hit. And I liked this scene a lot because, you know, this is sort of, this is says a lot about Daryl's character, you know? He's yep. a bit of a loner, but he's part of the group. He's part of the family, and he'll do whatever he needs to to help keep them alive. And uh, I thought it was really cool that that's what convinced Aaron to bring them back, you know? Yeah, that was that was. Cool. It wasn't the fact that they had kids and a baby. It wasn't the fact that they were starving and they were running out of hope. It was the fact that he saw them do good deeds for each other. And that, you know, makes me feel good about these people. Yeah. Um, so anyways, Daryl says he'll run out and try to make it through the walkers while Aaron makes a break for the fence. So they're going to try to push their way out of the car. 
and push their way through. Um, but Aaron says, nope, we will fight together. We have to do this together. Yeah. Die or whatever happens, it's going to be us together doing it. That's right. Fight together or die alone or something Live like that. Live together, die alone. Yeah, there you go. From Lost. <laughs> From Lost. Um, so they are just about to push out of the car when suddenly a walker is killed outside. Oh my goodness, who could have done this? They jump out and Morgan is there to help who, them. Who's that stranger with a quarterstaff? He has, he has showed up on the scene to help these two strangers escape. And they fight all the walkers. Um, all three of them make some kills, but they all make it through the fence. And uh, once they're safely on the other, other side of the fence, they thank Morgan and they introduce themselves. Mm-hmm. And Morgan says he helped them because all life is precious. Right. So he's That's willing nice. to put himself in grave danger uh, to try to save two other guys who are stuck in a car. Yeah. Morgan has come a long way since he clear. Has. He really has. He's uh, clearly less crazy. And f- yeah, well, and very, uh, very helpful. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you know, you, you kill enough zombies and you eventually you realize there's just far too many to, you know, clear mm-hmm. the entire country. So I might as well go walk about. Might as well. Now, Aaron immediately invites Morgan into Alexandria. Yeah. So he sees a good deed. And this is the kind of person they want. Now, Morgan at first declines because he says he's on his way somewhere. And he says, in fact, you know what, guys? I'm lost, but I have this map. Can you take a look and help me figure out where I am? Yep. So he pulls out the map, hands it to Daryl. And of course, Daryl reads the map and it says, sorry, I was an asshole, but the world is going to need a Rick Grimes. And hey, where did you get that map? Yeah, that's right. Where'd you get that map? I know him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Santa Claus. It's like uh, Elf, Buddy the Elf. Yeah. Um, and this was another scene that I thought was really, really fantastic. In fact, this this scene with the map exchange, and even though Daryl didn't say anything and he just kind of looks at uh, Morgan, this was one of my favorite scenes in the whole five-season ep- uh, run of this show so far. Really? And do you know why? Why? Because it made me feel good. It made me feel, <laughs> oh, thank Oh, my God. God. Something good happened. Something synchronous. Something uh, just happy, good, you know, no bad thing happened. That's that's really nice. It was, I, I fully admit, and I'm completely aware that there was a slightly overly coincidental nature to this scene, that Morgan, on his way happens to run into Daryl and Aaron, and he decides to save them. And then within two seconds of talking to each other, he pulls out a map and hands it to Daryl with the name Rick Grimes on it. Hey, I, I get that that's sort of, you know, hyper coincidental, but I loved it. I loved it because I was so worried that they were going to continue stringing us along with Morgan. Like Morgan was going to say, I'm on my way somewhere. I'll see you guys later and then walk off. And we'd be like, oh, they were so close. They were so close. So I'm really, really satisfied that they didn't go that way. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just so great. So well done to see Morgan, you know, get his shit together and get there and meet the people he's looking for and not like miss them by a hair, you know? No, that was, that was nice. Uh, and, you know, every once in a while, a coincidence will happen, and it'll be a good thing. In this case, very good thing. All right. So 
after my happy, fun, good times there, um, we go out to Gabriel and he is on his little walkabout and he comes to a walker eating a guy in the road. Just one zombie <laughs> eating one guy. That just that sounded funny. He comes across a zombie eating a guy in the road in a road. <laughs> well, that's what zombies do, I'm afraid. Uh, no, it's just it's a funny turn of phrase that that struck me as hilarious. All right. Well, Gabriel decides he gets the walker's attention. He says, I'm ready, extends his arms, and the walker comes over. And as the as he arrives in front of Morgan, he spins him around and grabs a noose this walker has around its neck still and he pulls the rope tight enough to pop the zombie's head off that's just gross then he goes over and bashes in the guy's head to put him out of his misery because he's not completely dead yet and uh yeah um what did you think of this scene here i have some thoughts on it but if you have any i'll let you go first well i just uh i don't know if you can uh pull a guy's head off by pulling a noose that's already tied around his neck but you know that's neither here nor there because we know the zombies are very soft and fall apart in this world. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. Uh I don't know, it seemed a little ham-fisted to me, but overall I was okay with it. The problem I had with it is that Gabriel approached this situation with no plan. Because yeah. he walks up there, how does he know that zombie has a noose around its neck? You know, he didn't know that when he walked into the street. What if that hadn't been the case and the and the walker walk, got right up to him and he had no real way of defending himself, you know? I mean, spin the walker around and push it down and then run away? I mean, what's well, the point Well, he wasn't planning to defend himself necessarily. I think he was saying, I'm ready and ready to give up. He wants to die too, right? So he was accepting, you know, the zombie to kill him. So he, and when it got closer, he chickened out, essentially. He changed his mind and decided to defend himself. So I thought it, I thought it was a suicide by zombie type thing at first, but then he backed out. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, that's what he, what his original idea was to let himself be eaten. It just seemed to, you know, here's a coincidence that I didn't like. And, you know, sure, that's maybe a little two-faced of me, but... In this case, he changes his mind and, oh, look, there's a noose that I can use to pop this zombie's head off and everything will be okay, you know? I would have rather have seen him just let himself get eaten. I mean, I think that would have been much more uh, um, just Poignant. a bigger, you know, a bigger moment in the series to see a guy actually let himself get eaten because he can't take it anymore. That's true. So, I don't know. Anyways, I'm also just not a big fan of Gabriel these days, so... Uh, <laughs> Too bad he didn't get eaten. <laughs> right. Uh, back inside Alexandria, Abe comes, Abraham comes to see Tara. And uh, Rosita is there watching over them. And Eugene is in a chair sleeping. And uh, Abraham doesn't want to wake up Eugene, but Rosita knocks a pan down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, he's sleeping. You can come on in. You won't wake him up. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Crash. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought that was a funny scene. I, I enjoyed that. And the way she said, oops, just Oopsie. just just made it for me. Yeah. Um, Eugene and Abe. Uh, so Eugene says Abraham got them there, and he thanks him for that. And then Abraham apologizes to Eugene for almost killing him. And uh, they appear to be on good terms again. Yeah. Which I'm su Which is surprised. Sorry, I'm surprised because I sort of figured they would have been on good terms already. I mean, we just didn't really see them, you know, patch up their differences. But it's been, you know, weeks on the road, so. Yeah. No, he, he's still mad at uh, 
at, uh, he's still mad at him for lying and you know he's, he's mad at himself for almost killing him too so mm-hmm. you know it doesn't surprise me and Rosita knows that uh that that he's still mad at at uh, at the armored pierogi so he she concocted this little sit down uh to so that they could patch things up and it really you know it happened rather quickly so that was nice it it did i'm i just i just didn't realize that they hadn't sorted their differences out already Right. Right. But I guess, you know, we haven't really seen them in a scene together and uh, they've been avoiding it up until now. But I'm glad to see their their friends again. Yeah. And Eugene can get back to watching them have sex. <laughs> yeah. You know, at their leisure. That's right. At their leisure. Uh, all right. So Gabraham. Gabraham. <laughs> Gabraham. <laughs> Gabriel. We see him coming back into Alexandria now. And Spencer is at the at the gate and he lets him in. And after Spencer asks him to, like, maybe we'll chat later because I have some things I need to work out, he asks Gabe to shut the gate, which Gabriel just utterly and completely <laughs> fails to do properly. Yeah, that's just laziness. Uh, yeah. Like... You did a piss-poor job. It, it, it's, it was so bad that I just got the feeling that this must have been intentional. Like, why would he, why would he just swing it closed behind him and then walk away? Do not know. You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I just feel like he must have done that intentionally, but the way it was played on screen, it didn't look like it. It looked like he just was had other things on his mind, and he just swung the gate closed like you would with a door and hope it closes behind you. Yep. But he certainly failed to do that, and uh, now the gate is open. We go to Nicholas in the forest, and he finds a walker. He shoots it, and then out of nowhere, Glenn attacks him. They fight pretty brutally punching each other uh nick gets the upper hand and some zombies are crowding around he then leaves glenn on the ground to fend off some zombies on his own yeah so we saw in the last time we saw these guys glenn was shot in the shoulder and we don't know what happened to him now nicholas leaves him with zombies on top of him and we don't know what's about to happen to him so every time we see these two guys, I get a really bad feeling for Glenn as the scene ends. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't overly worried for Glenn. Uh, I can because uh, his part in this particular episode wasn't big enough, right? If he was taking up 60, 70% of the screen time, I'd be worried. I'd be really worried. But his story was so like, uh, we you know, we drop into his story, then cut out, then drop in, then cut out. And because of that, I knew that everything was going to be okay. It was not because he, I didn't think he was in, his character wasn't in peril, but because of the, uh, the storytelling structure of, of this particular episode, I wasn't actually worried. Yeah, but I don't like that. I don't like how that, that can tip you off to what's going to happen. You know, that kind of upsets me. Well, you know, it is too bad. And I do feel like I, you know, I was stepping out of the story there, but that's uh, you know that's how I felt and that's how I knew that he was going to be okay. Yeah, I, I can... Rick on the other hand, I wasn't o- overly convinced that he was going to live through the episode. Rick, really, really, <laughs> we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. Um, anyways, that that whole thing, yeah, I, I just find that a bit of a bummer that you can you can use that measure to determine or predict how the episode is going to go. You know, if if Glenn was in it more, you might be thinking, well, that's it, Glenn's done for. Um, so. At the end of the day, they have to keep surprising us and then, you know, kill a person when they're barely in the episode at all, for example. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> teach us a lesson, that's for sure. There you go. Um, we cut back over to Rick in the house. Michonne comes in to talk to him before the meeting, and he admits to her that he planned the gun heist with Daryl and Carol. He says he didn't tell Michonne because he wasn't sure how she'd take it, and he says he was afraid that Michonne would have talked him out of it. Yeah. So in a roundabout way, he's cr- trying to tell Michonne that he really respects her, he really respects her, the job she does, her opinion, and he was worried that, yeah, she would talk him out of doing what he thought was best to do in this scenario. Right. Um, And, you know, she reiterates to him that they don't need guns here. They can find a way to make it work. But she also reaffirms to Rick that she's still on his side, no matter what happens. So they have an interesting relationship. They have very different, you know, ideas of what's going on here and different ideas on how to make it work, but they're still a team. Right. And they want to support each other. He offers her a gun that he has and she refuses to take it because of what she just said and uh she leaves and then rick sits down and thinks and he can hear bob talking in his head uh he can hear bob talking about you know this being a nightmare which is going to end this isn't the world now so maybe rick is thinking to himself maybe i've got it wrong maybe maybe we can have an end to this nightmare and this is it in alexandria possible We'll see. Rick gets up uh, to look out the window, and he notices the gate is open, which uh, is very concerning for him. Yeah. (laughs) He runs over to close it, but he sees walker guts smeared on the fence by the gate, so he knows that there are now zombies in Alexandria. And that's not a good thing. Not a good thing. Not even a little bit. We go to a commercial break, and now when we come back... I think I just want to say here that a lot of stuff starts to happen. This is the final sort of act of the episode, and we get a lot of different tense kind of action from different locations, at least three. And I'm just going to continue running through it chronologically, but it does jump around a lot. Right. Okay. A lot of stuff's going on. So we get Rick running from the gate. He's looking for walkers. We see Gabriel. He comes back to his church and he finds Sasha sitting in there. She asks for some help, and he says, nope. <laughs> Real helpful there, buddy. Yeah. Um, everybody else is at the meeting, and they're all wondering where Rick is. Uh, Deanna wants to start, and she says that they're going to talk about Rick Grimes, why he stole a gun, how he used it, and what he said, most importantly. Um, outside, we have Nicholas stumbling through the forest. It's just a quick shot of that. It's now dark, too. Um, we've got Rick running around Alexandria and now he has his knife drawn. So he's getting ready to find a walker and dispatch it. We go back into the church and Sasha tells Gabe that she wants to die. He says that she should want to die for the choices she's made. And, uh, you know, he says Bob died because of her sins. And this doesn't really sit so well with Sasha. So she screams and pushes him up against the wall. Right. Interesting thing here, I thought, sort of was, um, you know, Sasha told Noah that he's not going to make it, remember? And that's a big source of her, you know, her feelings right now. And then she goes to, you know, get some support from somebody else, from from, uh, Father Gabriel, and he basically kind of tells her the same thing. It's like, yeah, you're not going to make it either. You're going to die. And frankly, it's even worse because you deserve to die. Yeah, it's just nasty. It's very nasty. Uh, we see Rick, he finds a zombie. 
we cut over to the meeting and it is started now. It's, it's going and uh, Michonne is speaking and she's defending Rick saying that he wants them all to live. Um, and who Rick is, is who they're going to have to become. So she's definitely still on team Rick, even though she, you know, knew that at the end of last episode, she had to shut him up for a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, Rick is fighting the zombies. So he's protecting the whole town single-handedly right now. Uh, we've got Sasha fighting Gabriel in the makeshift church. And we have Nicholas in the forest. And Glenn jumps out and attacks him again. <laughs> <laughs> um, apparently, he was not eaten by those zombies that were piling on top of him the last time we saw Glenn. Yep. So that's, that's good, good news. Yeah. Um, all right. We've got... Uh, Who's talking in the Who's talking in the meeting now? Carol, I think. I wrote down Carl, but Carl's not there, so it's Carl's definitely not, not there. Him. So it's Carol. Carol, he's de she's defending Rick, uh, saying he saved my life over and over again, and people like us need people like him. Yes, you know, can't get by without him. Uh, back with Rick, he is down, and there's a zombie on top of him. He's slowly pushing his knife up through the zombie's head or neck. I mean, um. But it's not dead yet. He's just pushing that up there as slow as he possibly can. <laughs> um, now we go back to the meeting. Abraham is defending Rick by saying that Rick truly understands the vast ocean of shit that's outside these walls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, then again, you need him here to help you understand that. Yeah. Rick, he pushes the knife in further into the zombie's neck and... Basically, I think the zombie's brain explodes out of no, its facial orifices. he was pushing orifices. the gun. He had his gun, and he was pushing that into his brain. It wasn't a knife. Are you sure? It, yeah, that's why, he, and then he pulled the trigger, and that's why his brain exploded. No, it, there was no trigger pull. Yeah. Are you I watching was, it right now? I'm watching it right now. Let me go. I'm just trying to, there was a lot of quick succession here, so that's what I was trying to find. But I'm pretty okay. sure he pushes, uh, I'm just watching it now. Well, earlier on, we see Rick yeah, take a knife Yeah, he pulls out the out. gun, and he's pushing it into the neck of the zombie, and he pushes it all the way into his brain, and then, yeah, it's definitely the pistol. Okay. It's Does not he pull knife. the trigger? Yes, and that's uh, and then at the end, he pulls the trigger. Oh. Well, I, 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 I don't know. It was a pretty dark scene. I couldn't see the gun properly. I thought it was the knife, because we see him pull the knife out earlier on, so I, th I sort of thought that was the weapon he had in hand, but... I guess it makes a little more sense now for all that goo to spew out of the zombie's nose and eyes and mouth if his brain exploded in his head. Right. So, but it, it, nonetheless, it was pretty disgusting. And now Rick has zombie guts all over his face again. Well, yeah, right in his <laughs> mouth too. Right in his mouth. Right in. It was just really nasty. Gross. Um, now we cut over to two of the wolves and they've got red poncho guy. Or W forehead W people. I'm going to assume they're the wolves. Right. They've got Red Poncho guy by the fence by the food truck trap, and they mention resetting it, and then they kill Red Poncho guy and say welcome home. That was kind of odd. I didn't quite understand what was going on here. What was going on here? Well, I am with you. I am not sure exactly why they needed to show us this scene in particular, um, uh, unless it was simply you know, reinforcing the fact that these are not very nice people. They find Red Poncho Guy, who's not one of them, and they just decide to kill him anyways because they're going to add him to their, like, zombie trap that they're resetting. 
maybe he was the bait. Maybe he was baiting uh, people oh, yeah. into this trap, and because they escaped the trap, that uh, they were, you know, giving him basically this. This is a warning that don't do that again by slashing his throat. Maybe I don't know, or yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm I'm. It could be. It could be something like that. But uh, nonetheless, they kill the guy, and they've decided to reset their trap. So they're expecting more people to come along. Yep. I guess. Um, back in the meeting, Maggie is defending Rick now. She says he's a father with a good heart, and uh, she talks about them being a family, which Rick started. And Alexandria wants to be part of that family too, or Alexandria should want to be part of the family. And then Deanna informs everyone um, what Gabriel told her, uh, about what Gabriel told her. She says, and she says Rick demonstrated exactly what Gabe said, mm-hmm. really. Um, interesting thing that happens next is that Jesse doesn't really seem to believe her. And she asks, did you tape him? So Jesse is kind of, you know, a dissenter from Deanna in this moment, I think, which is interesting. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Um, back with the guys in the forest, Glenn is just beating the crap out of Nicholas. He puts a gun to his head and, uh... We don't see what happens there. Sasha, <laughs> we go back to Sasha. She raises uh, her gun to Gabriel. So now we have those two different fights going on, both with one, you know, one character getting the upper hand and pointing a gun at the other one. Um, back with the wolves, they start a bunch of music and lights in the trucks to lure the zombies back in to the trucks to reset their trap. Yeah. It was... Kind of bizarre, I thought, watching watching this scene, like putting on a dance party for the zombies to get them back in. Well, you got to get um, them excited about getting back in the truck. You do. It's almost like they've got them trained. Almost. You know, it's just loud noises. You know, maybe uh, maybe they got all these uh, all these zombies from a club, and therefore they have the residual memories of uh, being at a dance party. We're like, all right, groovy music, let's go. <laughs> Could be it. I don't know. Uh, loud noises, bright lights, though. Zombies are attracted to that. So that's what they do. Um, back in the meeting, Tobin, he's talking about keeping his family safe. And as he does that, Rick walks up covered in blood again, as we just said, carrying a zombie, and he just flops it down on the ground by the fire. Yeah. Um, back in the forest, Nicholas is kind of crying and saying he doesn't belong out here. Glenn is telling him to shut up. But ultimately, he does not kill him. Yeah. Which is I nice. Ex- I expected Glenn to kill him. Really? Though. After all this, after after Gabriel basically, not Gabriel, after Nicholas tries to kill him so many times, <laughs> you know, by shooting him and leaving zombies on top of him, I just expected Lick. Man, I can't say anyone's name tonight. Well, you can change his name to Lick if you want. <laughs> Lick. Lick. I don't know why. That's What does that even mean? That's sort of like Rick, but we're talking about Glenn. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I Glick, expected... maybe? Glick, maybe. I expected Glenn to kill him, but he backs down. He does not kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is because Glenn is ultimately a really good guy. It's true. He's not a killer. Um, Gabriel in the uh, church is telling Sasha to do it. You know, he wants to die still. But Maggie comes in and stops her. And Gabriel says, they all died because of me, referring to his congregation. And uh, Maggie offers him her hand and says they did, but she helps him up. Yep. Uh, Rick, in the meeting now, of course, and he explains that the gate was open. 
He says this zombie got inside on its own, and bad things or people always will get inside. He talks about um, people finding them there and hurting them and trying to kill them. But Rick says he'll show them how to survive. And uh, he said he wondered to himself, how many of you people do I have to kill to help you survive? (laughs) (laughs) The logic there is shaky at best. (laughs) Yes, but it also kind of works on a certain level. Like I have to convince you in order, I have to convince this town to let me help them survive. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to kill a couple of them. Yeah, it's Rick Grimes logic, that's for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But he says after that, I'm not going to do that because they're not ready. And, uh, you know, you people are going to change pretty much. Now, while he's talking, we get some intercut shots of other stuff going on. We see Carl and Judith together, which is nice. Mm -hmm. And we see the aftermath of Sasha, Maggie, and Gabriel in the church. They appear to be sitting and praying together. Yep. Um, We see Tara. She's waking up with Rosita, and they're happy about that. And the wolves trap being reset, we see a little bit more. And interesting here, we see one of the wolves apparently has found Aaron's backpack, which I guess he lost in the zombie fight. He did, because he left uh, when uh, Morgan uh, freed them. He got out and they closed the fence, and Aaron did not have his backpack. I noticed that. There you go. So it's still inside. He lost his backpack, including his pictures of Alexandria, which now include pictures of Carl and Rick. Right. So the wolves have seen the pictures and must be thinking, hmm, maybe we should go and check this place out. Maybe we should. (laughs) Um, back in the meeting, after Rick has finished talking, suddenly Pete shows up with Michonne's sword, and he is clearly agitated, and he is saying that you're not one of us to Rick. You know, he's—I feel like Rick is starting to win people over a little bit, but not Pete, of course. He missed the motivational speech. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Reg, Deanna's husband, tries to stop him, but in the scuffle— Pete slices Reg's neck open, and uh, he dies. Yeah. He falls down. He's bleeding out. Deanna is distraught. Um, while this is happening, Carol says to Rick, do it now. Yeah. She's saying, do it now? Like, take these people out, take them over. We will forcefully take this place? No, she's saying, kill kill Pete right now. Is it, but is that it, or is she saying, do it now, um, you know, execute the plan that we talked about earlier. Let's take them out, not maybe take them out, but let's forcefully take our, take this place over. That's what I thought she was saying. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can, I can see that. But it could be, you could be right, it could be just kill Pete. Um, now, Abraham has Pete on the ground at this point. He tackled him. Reg dies. Deanna, as I said, is totally distraught. She looks up at Rick and just says to him, do it. Yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, no, sorry. Carol says do it first, and now Deanna says the same thing, basically. Rick does not hesitate. He turns and shoots Pete. Right. Although we don't really see the bullet go into Pete, but we, he shoots Pete. Let me go ahead and assume that, uh, you know, with the sheer number of headshots in this television show, that uh, Pete take one, takes one to the cranium. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Just as all this is happening... Aaron and Daryl return with Morgan, and they witness this happening, um, you know, and Rick turns to look at Morgan, covered in blood, and, you know, 
what are they thinking? Morgan must be like, man, you're not the same Rick I knew like a year, a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed, buddy. Um, and we go to the credits. We go to black and go to credits. Now, there is a post-credit scene, which I hope you stuck around for. I did stick around for it. <laughs> Good. Uh, Michonne goes to put her sword back on the wall. I guess things, you know, have settled down. It's the next day. But she hesitates. And instead of putting it on the wall, she takes it down. She puts it in the sheath. And she slings it back over her shoulder. So she's on Team Rick again. You need to be prepared for shit coming past those walls. That sword did not last very long on that wall. No. <laughs> she is now, you know, prepared Michonne again. Um, and then the last scene of the episode and the season is Red Poncho Guy, who's now a zombie. He's walking around the, the area outside the loading dock of the food factory and the camera pans across and written on the car or one of the cars that's there, it says wolves, not far. Yeah. So that's the same phrase that we've seen all over the place, right? Yes, it is. And that's it. That is the official end of season five right there. So I've been talking a lot, Jason, what did you think of this as a, an episode and as a finale episode uh, more specifically. Well, I think overall, I really liked it. I think the only uh, the only downside I saw to this episode, I thought, okay, so let me just stick to I liked it for a second. So I liked uh, a lot of the scenes. I liked the way this whole episode was put together. Uh, I liked the, uh, you know, pretty much liked everything about it. The only thing I didn't like, the only detraction, and it's only a minor detraction, is we had a lot of individual stories going on. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of little things. So it struck me as, you know, this, this was a, a, a supersized episode. This was 90-minute episode. I uh, worked to be about an, an hour and change of actual, you know, show uh, plus commercials. Um, so I think instead of actually having a lot more story, they had a lot more stories in this episode, which I think they could have narrowed that down to, you know, they could have cut out a couple of storylines. And mm -hmm. made it made it a really good episode. Uh, the whole Glenn uh, thing was really was really good, but there was you know how how much airtime did that get? Four minutes, five minutes, maybe. Mm -hmm. Overall, there wasn't uh, there wasn't a lot there. Uh, so basically, I'm bouncing all over the place, but overall, I give this about an eight out of ten, eight or nine out of ten. And, okay, uh, I, I liked it, but there was uh, a few things in it that kind of irritated me. I liked it quite a bit. Um, I thought it was a really, really good episode and, and quite a satisfying season finale. Um, you know, I noticed no, no big cliffhanger, really. I nope. guess you could call the, 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 uh, the wolves on their way a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, and, you know, how Morgan's going to react, I suppose, is technically sort of a cliffhanger. But there was no big time cliffhanger like we had at the end of season four, this reminded me much more of the end of season five, where, you know, it's setting a bunch of stuff. Uh, sorry, end of season three, where it's setting a bunch of stuff up, but, um, you know, a lot of stuff was resolved in that episode as well. Right. So I don't know which way I like better. I mean, I must admit, having them stuck at in the train car at Terminus last season was awesome. And like, it made me totally excited and I couldn't wait to see how they were going to get out of that. And it made for lots of fun speculation too, on our part. Yep. <laughs> um, but this kind of finale, I find pretty satisfying too, to be honest with you. And, uh, 
Um, I think there's just as many questions really going into season six that we will be able to talk about ad nauseum all summer. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's, it definitely wasn't a cliffhanger. I think this was more of a cool hanger because we get uh, we get Morgan and he's going to be around at the beginning of next season. And hopefully he's going to be around for the entire season, which would be freaking awesome. So uh, it's not really, uh, I'm excited to see what the story holds. I'm excited to see Morgan next season. So it's, I, that's yeah. why I think of it as a cool hanger rather than a cliffhanger. I'm completely on board. I was so happy to see Morgan back. And like I said before, I was just so happy that he didn't just pass through the episode and go on his way. That would have really pissed me off. Um, it's great to see him back on. And and like you, I hope he's a, he's a part of the primary cast for season six because he is just... I don't know what it is about that character. Maybe the fact that we only see him once in a while that just makes you... makes everyone love him, you know? It's great to have him back so i was super excited about that um and and it just would have bothered me if they'd toyed with us even longer and had you know maybe he didn't pull out the map or something like that and that's it uh i'm just super glad they they went that way oh they couldn't do that if they did that if they just teased us with morgan i would go on a slapping campaign and i would go and slap every every walking dead writer i could get my hands on <laughs> Which, you know really in a, in the real world that'd be a grand total of zero but i would uh, i would talk about it that's for sure uh, I'm so on i'm on a <laughs> slapping campaign <laughs> yeah so i'm super excited that uh that they didn't do that and that would have just royally pissed me off if they yeah absolutely i think they handled this morgan stuff really well i'm you know, to open the episode with him was great. Uh, to have him, you know, to have his sort of new character revealed, and 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 all you and it really says you don't need to know anything more about the path he's taken. He went from from just wanting to keep his son safe and and not being able to kill his wife way back in the pilot to being to have completely lost it and clear and now to have regained his composure and, you know, come back to, uh, come back to a group that includes Rick Grimes, who is at least from Morgan's perspective, way off the deep end, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's a great contrast to see how Rick was trying to save Morgan before. And now you got to think Morgan is going to try to help save Rick or at least keep him in sane city and bring him back from crazy town. Yeah. Um, as far as the Glenn storyline goes, um, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't mind it. Their fight scene at the end there, it had a touch of sort of never ending action hero to it, I thought, which I didn't mind too much, but you know, it's like he's shot, but he's not dead yet. He's punched in the face, but he's not dead. He's left with a pile of walkers on him, but he's still coming back. You know, he's like these, he's the unkillable action hero a little bit. Um, but you know, I didn't even mind because like I said, I was genuinely worried for him in some of those scenes because you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, overall I thought that it was pretty awesome what they did with Glenn and Nicholas. Um, but I'm, I'm, and I'm a little bit surprised Glenn didn't pull that trigger and I kind of hoped he would because that would have been something he'd have to deal with, you know? It it would be, I I yeah I knew Glenn was in mortal danger and I was on the fence as to whether or not he'd pull the trigger, but I'm okay with him not pulling the trigger, because then we get more. Uh, you know these these two have a uh, a dance to do, and I'm interested to see where it's going to go. Yeah, and the other thing about that is, um, 
you know, Glenn has made his decision or the character has made his decision about what kind of person he wants to be. And if he, if he'd killed Nicholas, I can see that as a step back, right? He's, he, we've gone through this sort of thing with Glenn and, and uh, I, I don't want them to sort of wishy-wash back and forth on it too much. Once Glenn has sort of chosen what he wants to be, let's stick with that and do new things with Glenn, do new things with the character. So, yeah. um, so, so it's good. All right. Well, that was a hell of an episode, if you ask me. Um, the only part of it I didn't really love was the Gabriel stuff, um, but that could have just been a reflection of how I feel about that character in yeah, general you just hate these Ga- days. Hate Gabriel. So if you I ask do. you, it, it was a hell of an episode. If you ask me, it was a heck of an episode. There you go. All right. Poor Gabriel. No one likes him. All right. So we are going to take a short break and after the, and when we come back we will of course read all your holy crap moments now jason most of the time we take a little break play some music talk about our sponsors and we're going to do that this time too but for once i actually know the song i'm going to play ahead of time really that's right uh listener kevin andrew perkle is a singer songwriter from chicago and he sent in one of his songs just uh just because he wanted us to hear it And I liked it so much, I decided I'm going to play it right here, and I told him this. So um, this is Kevin Andrew Perkle with a song, Them Begging Birds, from his album Sorrow Sings. And if you dig it, you can find out more at kevinandrewperkle.com or search on iTunes for him. His last name is spelled P-R-C-H-A-L, but I'll have links in in the show notes on our website to, to his website and his music as well. So hope you enjoy. We'll be back right after this. Well, I've seen that winding river running wild as I am now. Think I'll ride it till I clear the edge of town. If you want to help support the Talking Dead podcast, please visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the talking dead. There you can make a small monthly pledge to help us uh, with the cost of putting on this podcast and we really, really appreciate it. There's a few different levels of support. And I recently added a creator goal. And you can go find out more about that at patreon.com slash the talking dead. You can also help out by using our Amazon links when you do all of your shopping at Amazon. Visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon to click on the country, uh, the Amazon store of your choice. That's most appropriate for wherever you are. Um, when you do that and you buy stuff, a small cut of your purchase comes back to us and uh, is taken away from everybody at Amazon because <laughs> they've got enough cash as it is. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you to everyone who uh, helps support the show at Patreon or by using the Amazon links. We really appreciate it, as always. time is trying to catch me after all. 
Holy crap. Did you see that? All righty. It's time for Holy Crap. Did you see that? Where we play and read your comments and emails about little bits from the most recent episode that uh, made you say, Holy crap. Did you see that? Now, the first one is a call from Dave. And uh, I realized that this call, by playing this call, um, I am blowing our own horn a little bit here. But what are you going to do? We have a horn? <laughs> we have a horn, and I'm about to blow it. Awesome. Here we go. Holy crap. Did you see that? Um, it, we're in the UK. Uh, Dave here from England in the UK. And uh, tonight was the premiere of the Talking Dead uh, after show, chat show. I've seen it sort of on, online um, uh, when I've downloaded it offline. But um, it's the first time it's premiered in the UK. And um, it's a great show. Not as good as you're talking dead, obviously. And by the way, I voted for you about 12 times in the podcast awards. Good luck, guys. Great show. Bye. All right. Thank you, Dave. Um, the reason I say I'm blowing our own horn a little bit here is because, you know, he said AMC's Talking Dead is not as good as our show here, which I wholeheartedly agree well, with. Well, yeah, of course. That just goes without saying. <laughs> and but it's nice to say it every once in a while, too, though. It's nice to say it. And that he voted for us in the podcast awards, which is fantastic. Thank you, Dave, for that. Um, but I'm also doing a public service here, everyone, because just in case anybody over there in the UK did not know that AMC's Talking Dead premiered there this uh, this week, now you do. So you can seek it out next time, <laughs> which I guess will be next season. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe you can <laughs> they don't, find it. They don't do off-season stuff? No, Talking See, Dead on AMC does not. That's just one of the many reasons why we're better than that show. And we've Absolutely. been worldwide since day one. Worldwide since day one. They yeah. are just finally getting to the UK. I mean, think of all those people that they're missing over there. Yeah, that's just all right. crazy. Thank you, Dave, for that. Uh, next one comes is a call from Andre. Hey, guys, this is Andre from Hudson, Massachusetts. And my holy crap, did you see that, was the food company's name on those truck trailers, the booby traps. Uh, it's called Del Arno Foods, something that sounds like there are no foods. I thought was pretty cool. Well, thanks for the podcast and keep up with the good work. Thank you, Andre. So there are no foods. There are no foods. If Daryl and Aaron had just read the damn sign for what it was really trying to tell them, maybe they would have stayed away. Or the cans on strings. Yeah, we still don't really know what that was all about, eh? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe someone, maybe a listener can can help us figure it out, Jason. If you know what those cans on strings were doing there, call in or write in and let us know. Yeah. 
All right. In the meantime, Paul in Bakersfield writes, holy crap, did you see that nothing happened? After Michael Cudlitz said that fans would be upset after the finale, I was expecting something big. I thought one of our heroes might die or the gate might be swamped by a bunch of walkers and attack the town. I watched the whole episode on the edge of my seat waiting for the big holy crap moment and suddenly nothing happened. Suddenly, all of a sudden, there it was, gone. Nothing. (laughs) Um, I don't know that I agree with Paul necessarily. I think lots of stuff happened. And um, most interestingly, I think Rick came out on top, which I didn't say before. You know, Rick's Rick's mentality is the one that won out. Whereas I kind of thought that the folks at Alexandria would resist a little bit more and uh, maybe try to continue living their happy-go-lucky, easy life. And nobody died, except for that guy in the red shirt. And Pete. And, well, yeah, Pete. Yeah. That's a big one. He's somebody. (laughs) He is. But I just, you know, I was expecting like a Glenn or, uh, you know, somebody, you know, one of the, you know, main cast to to croak this episode. Me too. But you know what, Jason? I think we should, from here on in, operate under the assumption that main cast members don't die in season finales. Because, remember, Shane died in the second last episode of the season. That's true. Um, Herschel, and did Herschel die in the season finale? It was a mid-season finale. Mids, are you sure? No. Yeah, because it was... uh... The governor's second attempt on the prison, wasn't that the season finale of season three? No, I I think that was the mid-season finale, and then they ended up at Terminus. Oh, yes. You are absolutely right. They ended up at Terminus. Okay. Um, then at Terminus, then nobody nobody died in, at Terminus, right? No main characters died in that episode. Yeah. Anyways, all I'm saying is uh, season finales don't seem to be when they like to kill main characters. So we well, should, that's good to know. We should stop assuming that that's what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, next, friend of the show, Adam in Texas writes, my holy crap moment was the whole freaking episode. So many little threads being tied up and in a way that's surprisingly benign for a show about people surviving in a world populated, uh, with dead cannibals. I'm sort of glad there were no major character deaths. It seems a little silly gimmick now, uh, to kill off someone for poignancy instead of writing them well for poignancy. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, give them a good story that's poignant. It's probably more effective than uh, killing them off to make a point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Thank you, Adam. James in Oklahoma, U.S. If I had to give one exact holy crap, it had to be Morgan's badass staff skills. I play a lot of World of Warcraft, and he reminds me of a monk now. Well, yeah, that's... uh... You know, look at Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck in the uh, Robin Hood story was a monk, and he had a quarterstaff. He beat the living crap out of people all the time. Well, maybe Morgan is a monk. Maybe he is a monk. Cool. That'd be cool. Okay, Steve on the internet, um, along the same lines, says, Holy crap, did you see Morgan's bloodless way of dispatching the two wolves? was pretty badass. My only question is, in sparing them... Why did he honk the car horn to signal the walkers or the other wolves? I'm guessing he wanted them to worry about walkers more than him. Yeah, he wanted to trap them in the car with walkers all around them. That's not true. What do you mean? Well, I watched AMC's Talking Dead last night for the first time in a, in a number of weeks, and more, Lenny James was on, and he got asked this very question. Why did you honk the horn? Why did Morgan honk the horn? And 
the way Lenny explained it is that it kind of was, even though it came earlier in the episode than uh, his speech to Daryl about uh, all life being precious. Yeah. He said it came, um, he said it was the first example of Morgan doing something to actually help these guys. Even though they attacked him, he honked that horn to determine if there were other zombies in the area so that if there were he would attract them to the car take them out and then those guys would be safe in that car for a while until they woke up i well i have two distinct problems with that one is that you can't tell us that on an after show and be believed so uh i I call horseshit on that I agree Even with that. Even though it's Lenny James saying it, and he probably got direction from Greg Nicotero, who was in cahoots with the with the writers of this particular episode. <laughs> so he's probably right. But you know, you can't you can't tell us that shit in an after show and get away with it. I agree with you. I think you're absolutely right. The problem being that we that's all fine and good, but we have to know ahead of time that that's what Morgan's character is now, right? All life is precious. Yeah. The fact is we don't know that about him yet. So how are we supposed to pick up on that, you know, at that point in the episode? Maybe when we see that later on, we can project back, but I certainly didn't. I was confused about exactly why he was honking that horn. So, you know, I don't necessarily think he was honking the horn in order to track zombies in order to kill them. I think he just wanted to delay them. He didn't want them on his heels, so he wanted them to worry about something else for a little while. Wake up with a bunch of zombies around there, have to deal with that shit, and then get the hell out of there. And, you know, they're not going to have time to come after Morgan. So I don't think it was necessarily to kill them. I just thought it was uh, to, you know, give them something to worry about. Yeah, give them something to do while he escapes. So, and I'm going to go with that answer, regardless of what Letty James says on an after show. Fair enough. All right, good. Uh, Niall in London, UK writes, holy crap, did you see Morgan's Jedi stick skills? (laughs) Particularly in the cold open. It was awesome. He reminded me a lot of Darth Maul. I guess now you can call him Darth Malgan, although I'm sure Jason can think of a better name. Uh, No, not really. It's just Darth Morgan. Darth Morgan. Well, <laughs> yeah, because it's just Darth, right? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Party on Darth. Uh, if you come up with anything, let us know. I, w- I will. Uh, but okay. he, you know, that's the, he would be on the dark side. I don't think he's on the dark side at all. I thought he was always on the light side. So he was, uh, he would be, he's a Jedi. He is. He really is for sure. Riley in, in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada writes uh, something similar. Says, hi guys, my holy crap, did you see that moment from last night's finale? was not only watching Morgan finally returning to us, answering all of the where the hell is Morgan being questions, but watching him kick some serious ass with that bow staff, a.k.a. broomstick, like a Jedi Knight. So a lot of people made the Star Wars connection here or thought that Morgan's scenes kind of evoked Star Wars. That's because the whole show evokes Star Wars. That's true. This is not the first time you've realized this, is it? Yeah, I don't know if he's, uh, he, you know, if he's on the dark side, uh, and but uh, he could be a Jedi Knight. That's uh, maybe he's Obi Wan. Fuck it, he's Obi Wan. Obi Wan, Morgan Kenobi. <laughs> that's right. All right, um, Eric on the internet, and this is a bit of a holy crap from the from AMC's Talking Dead show. Holy crap, Morgan is freaking British. Do they do all their casting in England or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lenny James is uh, is British. He sure is. Uh, and they do a lot of casting from over there. I guess we got, so. Uh, we got a bunch of Brits on this show. Well, Morgan, Rick, and uh, Maggie. At least Maggie, she's half the British. The governor? 
the governor. That's right. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay, Matt in uh, um, no David in North Carolina. When we last saw Morgan in a meaningful way, he was an insane shut-in somewhere near Atlanta, Georgia. Now, as if by magic, stumbles upon our heroes in Alexandria, Virginia. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad to see Morgan back, but I just don't buy it. Well, he had a map. That's the re- I buy it because of the map. Yeah. I mean, sure, it's a coincidence, which we've talked about, but the coincidence is him showing up to save Daryl and Aaron at the right time and then pulling the map out that has Rick Grimes' names on it. Being in the area, I don't find that so unbelievable. He has a map. With he the, has a map go right here. The location circled on it. So I think yeah. uh, I think we can be okay with that. Yeah, he's got a map that says Rick Grimes here. That's right, and that's who yeah. he wants to find. Yeah. Uh, okay, Matt in Clementon, New Jersey. Now, for my holy crap moment, I'd have to go with Daryl's Ghost Rider-like kill with the chains. Pretty awesome. Ghost Rider. You know Ghost Rider, the Marvel. Well, I'm aware of Ghost Rider. I don't think I've seen the movies, but I'm aware of the comic book. Well, he he he's a flaming skull for a head, and he rides a motorcycle, and the chains come out all over the place. And yeah, he whips. At least in the movies, I've never read his comic, but I assume it's the same. He whips chains around and kills guys with chains, and he's able to like lasso people with chains and stuff. That sounds cool. Are the movies good? No. They star uh, Nicolas Cage as <laughs> well, Ghost Rider. I know Rider. that, where everything's either whispered or yelled, and everything's on fire. Yeah, that's pretty much what those movies are like. Um, but seeing Daryl pull a Ghost Rider was pretty awesome. Well, maybe he'll catch on fire and be cool about it instead of, you know, screaming and yelling because that's what normal people would do when they're on fire. <laughs> you mean Daryl? He'll he'll be on fire and be, um, excuse me, I'm on fire. That's right. Maybe he'll be the Ghost Rider. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Uh, okay, we've got the another call here from Elvis, and he's got a few holy craps. Okay. Hey, gentlemen, this is uh, Elvis in Adelaide, Australia. I've got some uh, holy crap moments for you. Um, firstly, um, the first holy crap, did you see that, was how Morgan went absolute Donatello on those two wolves, and um, that was by far my favourite. That was brilliant. The second one was... Um, Although when Gabriel smashed those two blokes' heads in with that big rock with his pretty white T-shirt or long sleeve shirt on, not one bit of blood splatter. And uh, I've seen enough Dexter shows to know that that just is uh, it's not going to happen. And uh, finally, <clears throat> just that the, the last holy crap moment um, was with uh, with Rick right at the end there when he had that just that steely uh, look on his face and with no hesitation put down that wife beating surgeon. Anyway, guys, love the podcast. Keep it up. Speak to you again soon. Thank you very much, Elvis. Um, so two, the, the two I want to address here are um, the first one he referred to. So he picked up on Morgan's skills as being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-ish, not Jedi Knight-ish. Right. Okay. So that's what that meant by uh, Donatello. Donatello. That's right. And then like, well, he went to some kind of weird marble uh, sculpturist on him. (laughs) Yeah, no, he went Ninja Turtle on him. Right. Okay. Uh, And then the second one was one that a lot of people pointed out. Um, Wendy on the internet, Heather on the internet, and Sean on the internet all wrote emails in about uh, Gabriel's pristine white t-shirt that he leaves um, Alexandria wearing and then manages to keep pristine and white and beautiful when he, you know, kills a zombie and then kills another guy and walks back through the forest. So, um, yeah, it uh, it seemed like it was it was the whitest shirt I've ever seen, and it really stayed white. 
Right. So if TV has taught me anything, uh, when you bash somebody's head in with a rock, there's going to be some splatter. Uh, well, that's what uh, Elvis said. I mean, if Dexter's yeah. taught us anything, that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen. Yeah, I've seen all of Dexter, and uh, yeah, there's definitely going to be blood splatter whenever you bash somebody's head in. So, yeah, maybe he changed his shirt. Maybe he brought a, a, a spare shirt. You know, he what? knew that uh, there's going to be. You know, you never, you don't go out in the woods in the zombie apocalypse with a white shirt. Like, come on, you're going to get it dirty. That's it. Honestly, it's another thing that bugged me about this whole part. Like, it was just so ham-fisted putting him in this bright white, like pure pristine shirt you know he's supposed to be this this um god-loving person who you know and, and and they're trying to portray that with his wardrobe as well which is fine but it was just so on the nose you know and uh and then to have it not yet covered in blood after popping a zombie's head off with a noose and yeah bashing guy's head in it just felt stupid to me it was another yeah. reason i didn't like the the whole gabriel stuff here you just hate Gabriel so much that you, by tran- the transitive property, you hate his shirt too. I do. I don't like the guy, so I don't like his <laughs> shirt. I don't like his stupid pants. I don't like his... I, I hate him. He's wearing a shirt. Therefore, I hate his stupid shirt. Well, if I hate A and A equals B, then I hate B. <laughs> and A is wearing a shirt. That's right. Uh, all right. Let's move on from that. Frank on the internet. Did you see Sasha's dirt nap with the dead walkers? I found this surprisingly sad and touching. She is truly a disturbed young lady. The scene was done really well, even though it felt shoehorned in. Um, it was nice. It was very good, uh, as I've already talked about. Emily in Minneapolis. Holy crap. Did you see that none of our beloved group died? I almost puked from anxiety and then nothing happened. Next season's opener is going to be a whole ocean of shit, and we know nothing about that shit. <laughs> yeah, we are not in the knowings of what that shit pertains. We are not privy to that shit. Um, privy, get it? Privy. Privy, that's what they used to call the the bathrooms. Oh, privy. see? Look at Gotta me. Go to the privy. <laughs> see what I did there and didn't even realize it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, uh, Barbara in California. My holy crap, did you see that moment was when Rick shot the walker who was attacking him through the head. Oh, yeah, look. So I'm not the... Uh, you're not the only one who realized that it was a gun. You're the only idiot. Uh, clearly, clearly. <laughs> it's not the first time in my life. No. Uh, she continues, I hadn't noticed the gun in his hand, so I was really confused at first. Then did you see the walker brains hit him in the face? So much grosser than blood. <laughs> yeah, most full of gross. Oh, it was nasty. Uh, Rebecca in Scotland, my holy crap moment is the way Deanna just let Rick shoot Pete. I mean, finally. <laughs> looks like <laughs> looks like there wasn't any middle ground for Pete, but good riddance. Yeah. So there you go. Um, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, holy crap, Rick stays crazy. A bloody-faced Rick with a walker on his shoulder walked into the town hall meeting like he was bringing a tray of cookies. It opens up a whole new level of introductions for my future. (laughs) (laughs) So James is going to try that when he's meeting a new person. (laughs) Good plan. There you go. Jason in D.C. My holy crap, did you see that moment? Was Glenn and Nicholas fighting in the woods? They They started when it was dusk and finished what seemed like a number of hours later. They must have beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, I guess so, eh? They really, really did. Um, John in Deal, Kent, UK. Holy crap, you didn't see that. Glenn escapes from under a big pile of walkers. That's right. Would you have liked to have seen more of that scene, Jason? Or are you okay with them leaving him there and he mysteriously escapes somehow? Well, I 
like I've mentioned, I would have liked to have seen, uh, you know, have that storyline expanded. It was uh, it was very interesting. It was uh, exciting, but it was too small of a piece for me to be, uh, you know, actively emotionally invested in what was going to happen. Yeah, and maybe just having a little bit of extra in that one bit might have done it. I don't know. I mean, the more I think about it, it might have been fun to see. I know we've seen characters escape from walkers a million times, but... It might have been, you know, Glenn was in peril. He had a he had a gunshot wound to the shoulder. He probably, you know, who knows what he had to do to get away there. So I think ah, they he wasn't tied to a chair. He was fine. Well, that's true. He's been tied to a chair and killed a zombie. So he clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um. All right. Paul in England. Holy crap. Did you see how quickly bright day turned into pitch black night when Rick was searching for those zombies? How long was he looking for? Hours? <laughs> I guess that, much like the TARDIS, Alexandria is much bigger than it looks from the outside, or the inside, that, for that matter. Yeah, that's because you got to walk across it, and it takes like three days and four nights. Clearly. I mean, he went for days there, yeah. Um, Lindsay on the internet. Now, this uh, message from Lindsay contains some questionable language, but I'm going to read it anyway, because who are we Please. to... Uh, to forbid questionable language on the internet. Lindsay says, holy fucking shit twat crap bastard. That was fucking tense. I've got a stomach ache from tensing too much. I actually retched a little uh, bit when that walker deposited watery vileness all over Rick's face. I can't deal with it. That's gross. <laughs> and she put periods between I can't deal with it. So um, there you go. Holy shit twat. Yeah, holy fucking shit twat crap bastard. Because <laughs> why not just repeat that one more time? <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that'd be hilarious. Get you kicked off an airplane. Uh, Jack in rainy England. My holy crap, did you see that for this week's episode? Not the jaw-dropping action. Not the heart-stopping hand-to-hand combat. It's that indestructible casserole dish. If I do that to any of my dishes, they shatter. But I swear, when Pete dropped that one, it actually bounced. Yeah, I've dropped stuff that did not break, and I was surprised before. I think they expected the casserole dish to break. Like, everybody on set expected that casserole, casserole dish to break, but it didn't. And, uh, yeah, that that was surprising. And by then, the casserole's ruined, so you can't do another take. Right, yeah, you got splatter all over the floor, and, you know, he's already in the other room trashing the place. Right. So, uh, you know, screw it, it's fine. You just gotta... you drop a casserole dish, and every once in a while, it doesn't break. You just have to go with it. Yeah. It happens. Um, Sharni on the internet. Holy crap, did you see how the wolf gang totally knows how to play the walkers? The disco music trap was pretty badass. Wolf gang. <laughs> that's them. Done. The wolf gang. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Thank you, Sharni. You have coined, you have named the wolves now. Y- you have named them. I like it. Wolf gang. All right. Um, and finally, Roy on the internet. Holy crap, Deanna is an empty nester now. She can downsize her house. Okay, she has one kid left, but just send him out with Nicholas one time and she'll be ready for a one-bedroom studio. (laughs) That's all you need to do. (laughs) You want to get rid of somebody? Send them out with Nicholas. My son's dead. My husband just died. I got one more son. Let's get rid of him. Yeah, and I can just get a smaller place and live by myself. Where's that jerk that kills everybody when he leaves town? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody get him. Somebody call him up. I need him. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for sending in all those great moments. And uh, 
We'll be back on Wednesday for more feedback, of course, to do our feedback show. But here's what uh, here's how things are going to play out from from now on. Now that season five is done, um, the first thing I need you to remember is to get your contest entries in for the record your favorite scene contest for the end of the day on Wednesday. We'll be choosing the winner after that and announcing it next Monday on the podcast. So there will be a podcast next Monday. There will also be one this Wednesday where we do all the feedback for the season finale. So keep sending that in. We want to get more of that. And after that, oh, another thing we're going to be doing on Monday, which is really exciting, is that we're going to have Steve Coulter on our show. And if you don't recognize that name, that's unfortunate. You should look him up. He is the actor that played Reg, Deanna's husband, on uh, in Alexandria. So we're going to talk to him next week and have him on the podcast, which will be fun. That's exciting. That's really, really cool. We can talk about what it's like to get sliced in the neck with a katana. I'm sure they didn't really do it, Chris. Well, we'll find out next week, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was some kind of practical effect. We will see. Um, so make sure you don't miss that. That's going to be fantastic. And then uh, after that... We are planning our annual season wrap-up crossover podcasts with Jason and Karen from The Walking Dead cast. So that'll be recording a little bit later in April, and uh, we'll get those out as soon as we can. So um, if you're not familiar with them, check them out. But uh, what we do is we kind of do a top 10, you know, things from the most recent season of The Walking Dead, and we do half the list on our podcast and half the list on their podcast. So we'll be doing that. And... Um, don't forget too, if we end up winning the podcast award, which we don't know yet. Um, but if we do, Jason and I have agreed to perform an entire scene, uh, sorry, an entire episode yeah. of The Walking Dead. So we've got to choose one to do. Um, but we're going to wait to find out if we win that award first. So that'll be coming up sometime this summer too, if indeed it happens. And, uh, It'll be a lot of work, but I secretly hope it does because it'll also be a lot of fun. So we've got lots of good stuff coming up in the next uh, little while. So uh, make sure you tune in for all of that. And to anyone who doesn't, I mean, I know a lot of people don't listen to us in the off season, which is which is okay too. But um, you know, if that's the case, I just want to say thanks for tuning in. I hope uh, I hope season five was was exciting for you. I hope you enjoyed what we do here. And uh, I do hope, in fact, you come back next season because we'll be still here. We'll be recapping and talking about season six when it premieres in October later this year. So we, uh, we will miss you. Absolutely. If you don't listen between now and October, you know, you will be missed, just so you know. You will very much be missed, but uh, we hope you come back. We're not going anywhere. We will be here all summer. We'll be probably doing actor spotlights we've, like we've done in the past um, and uh, all kinds of other fun stuff. If, uh, if we can get around to it, which we will. Well, we got a lot of actor spotlights we could do. Oh, when you think about everyone in Alexandria, tons, you know? Man. So they'll, they'll be, that'll be coming up through the summer. Um, uh, so I do hope, in fact, like Jason said, you stick around for that. And if you don't, you will be missed. But come back next season. We'll still be here. Uh, all right. So um, that's it. Uh, thanks, everyone. Visit us on Patreon, of course, patreon.com slash the talking dead and use our Amazon links, um, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash Amazon. And uh, until Wednesday, uh, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.